This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The word Michael means who is like God. Michael, Michu, El, God. Who is like God? In other words, no one's like God. And that's what's being brought out in verse 46 when he had found one pearl of great price. Not many, but one pearl of great price. And then then there's another important word in verse 46, and it speaks to us, and it's the word went. When he had found one pearl, verse 46, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So he finds this pearl, this singular pearl, this pearl that he imagined that 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 he never imagined existed, and this one pearl that stopped all of his pearls searching and buying forever, and he didn't go away amazed, saying to himself, "Wow, what a pearl that was! That's amazing. I never seen a pearl like that. I don't think I'll ever see a pearl like that again. I'm just awestruck." He saw that pearl, and immediately. Wheels started turning in his head and plans were formulated and he saw that pearl and feet started to move, carrying him away to execute his plans. And he saw that pearl and hands were busy collecting all of his possessions. He saw that pearl and the new motto of this pearl buyer's life is make it happen. Make that pearl my pearl. And it wasn't easy for that pearl to become his pearl. He said, I have to have that pearl and I'm prepared to give up everything I own in order to own that pearl. Because once he saw that pearl, he had to have that pearl, cost what it would. No price was gonna be too great for him to own that pearl. He had to own that pearl. Once he saw that pearl, he flew into this flurry of action just like the man in the previous parable who found the treasure in the field. He runs home, he gets everything he owns together, he finds a buyer, he sells it, get the money to buy that field, get the money to buy that pearl. Can you imagine that? I mean, can you imagine if 
today you left the chapel here and you went out and you got all of your possessions together and you, I got a, and you found somebody to buy it. You'd be all over eBay or OfferUp or something like that. Was that. Would that be easy? No, wouldn't be easy at all. It wasn't easy for this man. But when he saw that pearl for the first time, this man saw an opportunity. That's what he saw. He saw an opportunity. He says, I see an opportunity for myself, an opportunity for me to own that pearl. He sees that opportunity. He sees an imperative. He says, I must, an imperative for himself. I have to move immediately. I have to make that pearl my own. It reminds me when uh, Cheryl graduated from Miami University and uh, when she was 22 years old. And I still had three more years to go. And I thought, to, I thought, I remember thinking to myself, there's no way that I'm gonna let Cheryl go on the open market where I could lose her. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and that's why I asked her to marry me when I was 19 because I knew a good thing when I saw it and I wasn't, I wasn't gonna lose her. So did this man... He knew a good thing when he saw it, and there was no way he's gonna let that pearl go on the open market where he could lose that pearl. It was gonna be now or never for him. And that's the way it is when a person finds Jesus Christ. Just like with this pearl buyer, just like with this pearl, just like with me, with, with Cheryl, just, it, so it is with a person who finds Christ. He sees Christ, he sees an opportunity, he sees an imperative, he sees I've got to make Christ my own. Many people saw Christ. Many people saw Christ in the Gospels. And some wanted Christ, and some needed Christ. They wanted, some knew they needed Christ. But only a few said, I have to have Christ, and I have to make my move to follow Christ, cost what it would. And this pearl buyer was in this category. He had to have that pearl, and he made his move. I had to have Cheryl, and I made my move. And some have to have Christ and they make their move to follow him. And when that pearl buyer saw that pearl, he wasn't just entertained by seeing that pearl. In a very real way, that pearl introduced into the pearl buyer's life a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety. He was anxious till he bought that pearl, till he owned that pearl. He was anxious until he got it. Reminds me of when, uh, when we at Scanabodies, we bought our first building in Otay, California uh, for logistics, building A in Otay. Um, we have a building A in Takati, but we can't come up with names. So we A, B, one, two, that's what we do for buildings. You know? So our first building A in Otay, California. Otay, if you don't know, you drive down there. Otay is just exploding with business. There are no buildings for sale down there. There are a lot of buildings going on. There's a lot for lease, but not for sale. And we don't lease buildings where the owner can decide one day to throw us out or raise the, the lease or force us out, whatever. We only operate in buildings that we own. If we can't own a building, then we just don't do the operations just like it is. But we needed a logistics building just across the border, real close within walking distance of the Otai Crossing, which meant we need to buy a building in Otai, which was just impossible. This is years ago. So I called the realtor and searching, searching, and I found out there was a building that was for sale, and I missed it. So I call up the seller, and I asked, have you actually signed the papers <laughs> for that building and received the money? And he says, well, the buyer is getting in his car right now, and he's driving over here with the papers and the money. I said, stop everything. <laughs> I said, I'll offer you more money, and we'll get right over there and buy that building, which we did. Now, there was a lot of anxiety 
until that building was ours, you can imagine. And once we owned logistic, building A for logistics, the anxiety was gone. It was peace, temporarily, but anyway. And then with all of this COVID test kits that we've been making, huge numbers, uh, 200 million tests per year, um, we needed a second logistics building, building B in Otay. You know, one for stuff going south to Mexico, the other one coming from Mexico to go out to Israel and the U.S., everywhere else. And again, no buildings are for sale in Otay. But we found out a building that was getting fixed up to get ready to go on the market, owned by a religious Jewish family from Tijuana. Again, rushed in, and we told them, you don't even have to take the trash out. <laughs> We're going to buy this place. And I told this Jewish family, my name is Thomas Castro, I said. <laughs> Instead of Thomas Cantor. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, God blinded them from realizing who I was. But again, a lot of anxiety until that second logistics building B was ours in Otay. But once we owned building B in Otay, the anxiety was gone. In both cases, there was anxiety until those buildings were ours. And in the same way, there was a lot of anxiety until that pearl was owned by that pearl buyer. Once the pearl buyer owned the pearl, anxiety was gone, there was peace. And in the same way, there was a lot of anxiety until I had that marriage certificate that proved that I, the underage 19-year-old kid, was really married to this older 22-year-old woman. And I carried that marriage certificate with me in my pocket. You can see a picture of it in the book, Changed, all tattered and everything. But once I was married to Cheryl, the anxiety left, and there was peace, sort of. But in the same way, there's a lot of anxiety until a person receives Christ. But once a person does receive Christ, then the anxiety leaves and there's peace. And because there was anxiety, there was immediate action on the part of the pearl buyer. That's the feeling you're getting, we're all getting in verse 46, when he found one pearl of great price, went, sold all that he had, bought it. And actually, the Lord Jesus himself, he introduces a lot of anxiety when he called people to immediately drop everything and follow him, which is what he did in Mark 1.19, Mark 1.19, where it says, when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. I mean, just think of the anxiety in that scene. I mean, there's James and John on a typical day fishing with their dad, and and they're helping their dad repair the nets with the hired hands. And then out of the blue appears the Lord Jesus who calls them and they just leave the nets that they were repairing and they follow Jesus. Can't you imagine their father saying, hey, where are you going? What's going on here? What about these nets that need mending? You're just leaving me? A lot of anxiety. How about that, that, that when the Lord Jesus gave a similar call to another person in Luke 9.57, Luke 9.57, it came to pass that as they went on in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Oh, here we are. Here's a man. He tells the Lord he's ready to follow him. And the Lord tells him, well, you'll have no home. You'll have no home. You'll have no roof over your head. That brought a lot of anxiety so much so that there's no record of that man ever following the Lord after he heard that. We just assume 
that the anxiety of living without a roof overhead, it's too much. He fell away. And then there was another man in Luke 9.59, 9.59. It says, he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. What? There's another man who the Lord Jesus called. The man just lost his father. All he's doing is asking permission to go and bury his dad. And the Lord says, no. That brought a lot of anxiety, so much that there's no record of that person following the Lord. We have to assume that the anxiety of choosing Christ over burying his father was too much. He fell away. And there was another man. And he said, I want to follow you. Just let me go home and say goodbye to my family. Luke 9.61, Luke 9.61. Another also said, Lord, I'll follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home in my house. Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. So the Lord in essence says no. And that brought anxiety so much that there's no record of that person following the Lord. And we have to assume the anxiety of choosing Christ over his family, it's too much. He fell away. And then there was that man, that special man. He just said, I want to inherit eternal life. Just tell me what I got to do to inherit eternal life in Mark 10, 17. Mark 10, 17. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that's God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. He answered and said unto him, master, all these things I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, went away, grieved, he had great possessions. He's a wealthy man, he's got money. He just wants to, all he wants to do is just give me the list, I wanna check the boxes, tell me the boxes so I can check them to assure that I'm going to heaven, that's all. And he's told, okay, you gotta be moral. And he says, check, 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 checked all the boxes, and then he's told that you can have treasure in heaven if you sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And just like the, the two men in the parable we've been reading about here, they wanted that treasure in the field. He wanted that pearl of great price. They did it. They sold all they had. And this is what the Lord is essentially telling this wealthy man to do. But that brought a lot of anxiety to him, so much so that there's no record of this person ever following the Lord. We have to assume the anxiety over choosing Christ over his wealth was too much, he fell away. So in all these cases, men who faced the anxiety of the decision, some like John and James took the right decision, followed the Lord, they followed the Lord, left their father many in the nets, and immediately the anxiety left and they had peace. Most did not take that right decision. They decided to not follow the Lord, and for them, when they didn't follow the Lord, the anxiety did not leave, and they didn't have the peace. And that's the anxiety that we feel from the time that this pearl buyer sees this pearl of great price until he owns the pearl of great price. And by as fast as he moved to buy that pearl was as fast as the anxiety was to finally left and left him with peace. And this is the anxiety that's felt in 2 Corinthians 6.2. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in accepted time. In the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
it's all those nows that introduce so much anxiety in 2 Corinthians 6 2. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It's a lot of anxiety because what about first this? Well, what about first that? Or what about retaining a little bit? It was a lot of anxiety. What about waiting a little longer? Because it's a lot of anxiety because the message is in that verse is it's now or never. Tomorrow will be too late. Just like that pearl buyer, the person coming to Christ is under pressure and he feels anxiety until he makes Christ his own and decides to be the all out committed follower of Christ. And the reason there's so much anxiety for the pearl buyer was because of that one word, one, in verse 46, verse 46, when he had found one pearl of great price. He didn't find a container of pearls that were all the same and great value. He found just one pearl of great price and that created anxiety because there was only one. Reminds me of, of Jack Masson, who was a missionary from Scotland, a Scottish missionary that we supported here at the chapel for years. He said, don't ever call me a Scotch missionary. He says, that's whiskey, he says. <laughs> he would say, he said, I'm Scottish. Anyway, so you remember him, Gene, Jack and Connie Masson in Kyoto, Japan. And we supported him for years. One year, my family and I, we visited his church in Kyoto. And Jack had just returned back from the States, from back to his church in Kyoto. And he had stopped in Hawaii on the way back and bought all these boxes of chocolate-covered macadamia nuts. That's what he did. And so after the service, you know, they, he opens up all the boxes and he announces to everybody, come and get these chocolate-covered macadamia nuts, he says, because when they're gone, they're gone, <laughs> he told him. <laughs> That's how that pearl buyer felt. There's only one pearl of great price, and when it's gone, it's gone. And it's the way a person feels who comes to Christ. There's only one Christ. There's no one else like Christ. There's no Muhammad, no Buddha, no Confucius, no Dalai Lama. There's only one Christ. You miss him, there's no substitute. And that anxiety that comes from realizing there's not very many chocolate-covered macadamia nuts left here. I better get in there, you know. The anxiety that comes from realizing that what's possible today may not be possible tomorrow. Today, it's possible to take Christ as God and Savior, but tomorrow may be too late because of James 4.4, James 4.14, James 4.14. Whereas you know what Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. Proverbs 27.1, Proverbs 27.1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. These verses in James 4.14 and Proverbs 27.1, they're introducing anxiety over the urgency to receive Christ as Lord and Savior today because tomorrow may be not be possible. And this anxiety is all about the possibility of a missed opportunity, which is what made pearl buyers so anxious in verse 46. Until he bought that pearl, he was on pins and needles. And when a person has seen that Christ is all he needs in life and eternity, he experiences anxiety of being on pins and needles till he receives Christ. And this missed opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus, this is what broke the heart of the Lord Jesus concerning the Jewish people as he cried out through his tears in Matthew 23, 37. Matthew 23, 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, 
and ye would not. That's got to be some of, if not the most, tragic words in the Bible, ye would not. They're tragic because they're saying you had the opportunity, you could have, but you didn't. You decided not to. You missed the opportunity. And a delayed decision is the same as a missed opportunity. Just like what happened to the Greeks on Mars Hill when they heard Paul preach about Christ and the resurrection. And it says in Acts 17.32, Acts 17.32, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. See, that was a delayed decision when they said in Acts 17.32, Acts 17.32, we will hear thee again of this matter. But the tragedy was the next verse. Acts 17.33, 17.33, Paul departed from among them. They thought they could control when they would hear Paul again. And so they delayed their decision. But Paul left them and they didn't hear Paul again. And that's like a person who says, I'll hear God again speak to me about Christ. And he thinks like the Greeks on Mars Hill that he's gonna hear again. But he might experience Acts 17.33 of God departing from him. I mean, God visits a person and offers him Christ to that person. The tragedy is when a person does not realize that God is visiting him, and he may not visit him tomorrow. It's just like the Lord Jesus said in Luke 19.43, Luke 19.43, the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. That was the tragedy. They didn't know what they had when they had it. That pearl buyer, it could have been tragically, he may have seen that and said, wow, that's really good, and didn't know what he saw when he saw it. Like Cheryl, she might have had a perfect house. She didn't know what she saw, it, but she did, and he did. But in the case of the Jewish people in Luke 19.44, it was not that case. Thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Pearl buyer knew he had to act now. The phrase is so appropriate. Seize the opportunity. Grab it before it gets away. Seize the opportunity to receive Christ. It's a struggle. Like the person who wrote to me last week, and he wrote these words. Hello, Tom. I just wanted to reach out to you to tell you how much I enjoyed your book, and it spoke to me. I feel as I am stuck somewhere between believing in Jesus Christ and actually receiving Jesus Christ. I wanna take that next step of receiving in your book as help me with that. Thank you, God bless you. Being stuck somewhere between believing in Jesus Christ and receiving Jesus Christ. It's a struggle to seize the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ before it's too late. And this is the point of the pearl buyer here in verse 46. He's not gonna be the sad pearl buyer who found out he didn't act fast enough to buy that pearl before it was too late. The lesson from him is to not be the sad soul who finds out that he didn't act fast enough to receive Christ before it was too late. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this parable. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would make this parable to continue to speak to us over and over and over again. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.